So the Oscars were last night, and uh, man, lot to say, lot to say, lot to say, lots of thoughts. I mean, we can talk about the the event. I would say, right, the moment twenty twenty two so far. When um, Will Smith won the award for best actor, actor. his first (laughs) as King Richard. But no, I'm kidding. Obviously, the real situation was the um. Uh yeah, Will slapping uh, the shit out the of the living shit out of Chris Rock. Chris Rock on live TV. I guess we can first talk about how undefeated the internet is. <laughs> oh how man, fucking quick they so are. So quick. I saw one yesterday that was probably ten minutes after the event took place. Mm-hmm. That it was some guy live streaming on TikTok. It was a wrestling game, and he created Will Smith and Chris Rock. Oh my god! And was just commentating on the. It's obviously it's fake. It's a virtual <laughs> thing, but it was like ten minutes. It took ten minutes. No, ugh, within a matter of like minutes, people were already. <coughs> people were already going into it. I got Mike sent me this one that it was like a, a meme where it says it's just funny because the the name of the Twitter account is Odin. Oh, wow. Don't, don't. Okay, I'm on season three. I just got to season three of Vikings. And the emotional roller coaster season two took me on. I had to take a break. Okay, so so moving from, we'll get into Vikings in the Love is Blind episode. But um, it's Will Smith. It goes, Will Smith knows that paper beats rock. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a picture of... Um, Will Smith's hand oh, with like the paper position. With the paper position, yeah. I thought that one was pretty good. That is, that's a good one. Um, I saw the my one of my favorites was uh, Kevin Hart has a special. Oh, I think I saw like what you posted. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he was like Chris Rock backstage. You go smack me, bitch! Run in my face! It was like, yeah, I was dying, but also, ugh. Okay, I mean, what are what are your thoughts? You you might you go first. We I don't know. We watched it live, like so. Chris Rock comes out, and you know the I think the Oscars were doing pretty was was pretty good so yeah. far. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Wanda Sykes, yep. Regina Hall, and mm-hmm. Amy Schumer doing the um were hosting, yep. and I thought I actually thought they were really good. I really enjoyed like their camaraderie, how they were yeah. you know entertaining everyone. And I wasn't mad at Amy Schumer. I wasn't mad that she was there. I was right. very happy to see her engaging that's and kind a, of almost like good way to put it. knowing her place. I feel like she knew she was kind of there to like elevate in, in some you know capacity to like kind of like I'm here because I'm filling in the quota for like mm, you know I'm yeah, gonna host totally. as the white woman here, but it's really <laughs> Wanda and Regina. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and I really appreciated her positioning and mm. it made me i'm like oh i do love her yeah i, I think she excels her. in very specific situations and that yeah. was one of those that that was perfect for mm, her i think so too um and so basically everything's kind of doing pretty good and chris rock is coming up to the stage to um does. present the award for best like doc musical documentary or something uh, like that yeah that's right that's right and um What's his name? Uh, Quest Love is supposed to win. That's right. And it's supposed to be a celebration of the documentary that he made in honor of his mom and dad, which the documentary was called Summer of Soul. Summer of Souls. Um, and it's basically like this um, black, like kind of summer of love concert that happened every year in New York City. Um, and so she, he was kind of showcasing the artist, kind of how it affected the community in Harlem. Yeah, I believe it was right. in Harlem. Anyway, it was it's it's a beautiful documentary. Beautiful doc, yeah. And uh everything's like Gucci, right? Everything's fine. Chris comes up. Make Chris makes his like Chris jokes. Yeah, but yes, yes, of course. He of he course. and then he kind of shows up and he's kind of like doing the thing where he like shows up <laughs> and is like doing all the teeth work. And then he looks over to Jada and Will, and he's like, Jada, I see you're doing G.I. Can't wait for G.I. Jane 2. Yeah, right. And that's literally it. It's it. 
that is it. He did not even speak on what was easier to touch on. You know? I mean, there was so much low hanging fruit. Right. I thought, you he, know, he picked something. I'm what I feel like you're feeling as well. Something less significant. Well, it was just her appearance. Like you're at the Oscars. G.I. Jane is a fucking movie. Right. Let exactly. a, you know, it's a movie that I think Demi. Demi Moore. Demi Moore won for. Yeah. You're at the movies. You're there. People are there to like literally criticize how you look. And the it's kind not of like things this is a in. new look. It's not like you, she, you know, and obviously I'm not speaking on any other people with alopecia. I know that's not something to use at the expense of someone else seriously. But, you know, it's not like sh- this is the first time she's not had hair. Right. I mean, we'll get into the alopecia thing in a sec, too, because I feel like, you know, well, I guess we'll just get into it now. You know, I I saw people commenting that like, oh, he should have he knew she had alopecia. And it's like, I don't think he knew. Mm, okay. You know, not every just because they're friends or in the public life doesn't mean that he knew just because Jada speaks about her issues doesn't mean he knew. Right. Jada and That's Will implying. are always right, on the news. Right. And she mentioned she had alopecia in 2018. It is 2022. Four years ago, if he yeah. knew it could have accidentally slipped his mind. And again, I don't even think that making a G.I. Jane comment with having alopecia, you know, forgive me if I'm being like, you know, insensitive, but I don't think that was necessarily offhanded. Neither. I don't think it was in bad taste. I don't think I it was. G.I. Jane is, a, is literally about a woman who a badass woman. Right. I didn't necessarily didn't think that it was like so it was like and like one i don't think it was because roles, her hair was falling out right and one of her first roles i think that really brought attention to who she was outside of who she was to tupac right was because of her you know bald head right so it's it's not a new look right right and Ugh. honestly she was sitting there looking like a bene Gesserit, like Ugh. i'm i love that lupita nyong'o was right behind will so we could see her face the whole time so we could see how serious it yeah. was and also she was just like what is this what is happening and i mean uh yeah yeah so again you know was his was his common in poor taste because she has alopecia yes mm-hmm. it was in poor taste because she has it did he know she have it I'm going to go with no. I'm going to go with the benefit of the doubt and say didn't he didn't know. That. I'm going to just say he I'm going to say he didn't know. He didn't know until he says he knew. Okay. You know. That's fair probably. And so then he says GI Jane 2 mm-hmm. and Will's laughing and you know he's obviously like doing that, you know. Doing that like he's laughing that fake laugh. We all know. And then he walks up and I'm thinking he's about to just maybe like take over the mic. Yeah, like, I'm thinking he's I about thought something fun was about to happen. Yeah, I thought he was about to take over the mic and just be like, "All right, you know what, Chris, you need to go. I'm gonna take over, whatever." Or right, just right. kind of like force him to apologize, be like, "All right, you know that's not cool. Can you like not?" But like the vo- it's no nothing physical. Yeah, and once you take it to a place of, of a physical, you really lose. Yeah, and it was also kind of a cheap shot because. Like, honestly, if he felt the need to get into a physical altercation over it, whatever. Like, yeah. I I don't, I'm not saying like, oh yeah, I'm cool with it. No, I also think it's, you lose, really. You like you said, lose. I think it's perfect, you lose. But if you have some desire to do something like that, off some traditional, I'm a man and I should, uh, don't do it on live TV. Absolutely. And don't do it to Chris Rock. Absolutely. Don't do it to a comedian. Yeah, don't do it to a comedian. Because then you literally just fueled everyone everywhere mm-hmm. that oh. thinks comedians shouldn't joke about stuff like this. Mm-hmm. It's just, it was a poor <clears throat> joke, but not a joke that deserved that level of embarrassment and humiliation. Right. Yeah. And when we first saw it, Mike was like, that was fake. And I was like, no, that was real. Honestly, I thought for a moment it was fake too. You until know. I saw the unedited one the one that because remember i think the oscars had muted the sound as soon as he muted that's how he knew yeah, it was real right <clears throat> that's a good point actually <laughs> they're they're not you know they're not gonna mute it if it's fake and they it, cut off will when he was screaming at him after he sat back down right you 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 i knew it's just you know as soon as he walked up and he came in and slapped him i just thought like 
you've lost the plot, Will. Oh, yeah. You need to yeah, go th- get checked. In that moment, I was like, damn. You need Will, to go to rehab. Will Smith, the person I think I'm done with. And yeah, I'm oversaturated with him. and It's like almost scripted drama for that slap to happen. Then that very, very understandable, awkward silence, live TV. Mm-hmm. For then Jamie Lee Curtis to like go on stage with a dog. Oh, did I send you that? <laughs> I think, I'm not sure. Okay, no, but. I saw someone say, I'm sorry, but Jamie Lee Curtis holding a dog on stage during the in memoriam for Betty White right after Will Smith punched Chris Rock is a 30 Rock sketch. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like, uh, this, we're in the Matrix. This is like, crazy. What? But you know what? How fitting of the times. You know what I mean? Like, how fitting? What do you mean? Well, something that absurd is happening on TV again. And it's like, oh, it's something else. I don't. Not to get all cryptic, but I read maybe three days ago that uh, there's this AI that had made a few predictions in the past about certain world events mm-hmm. and they were accurate. Which were? Uh, I wish I had more information on that. I don't You didn't remember. take a screenshot? No, or a this video? was like a long. This was a few days ago and it was just something I was reading in passing. That's not that long ago. I've, there's a lot of information I discard, honestly, but I, I unfortunately, do you, I don't remember. Well, try to find it because you can't just like drop bombs like that. And, well, like, there's a new, there's something else. Like it also predicted that uh, it thinks a version of the world ending is going to happen in 2040. Mm. And I was like, I've been like, and I don't know if it's maybe I think you called it my Saturn's return. I don't know if it's that like what I'm feeling, but I've been feeling this weird energy with the world. You mean like an impending doom? Yeah, like an impending doom, but I just don't know what it is. You know, and I don't know if it's personal. I don't know if it's uh, on a global scale or universal or anything like that, but I've been feeling it. Yeah. So that was like. I don't think you're alone in feeling that impending doom. I you know, we've been taught since we were children, especially if you grew up in like a religious household, that the world would end at some point. Oh, and you've true. literally just been waiting for the world to end. Like, that's even true. though I don't subscribe to those beliefs anymore, mm-hmm. I still find myself like from like unlearning like the ending of the world. Cause it's mm. like, well, how many times has the world ended as you know it? True. You know, that's a good point. There are so many people who think we've even jumped timelines. Like, right. It's like, yeah, the world's going to end. The world is ending. You know, the world has already ended multiple times. The world is constantly ending. You know, it's ending for a lot of people, you know, at Mm. all, all hours of the day. Mm. So I, but the energy does feel really tense. I agree. Like there's, there's a feeling of like, you're waiting for this like big event to happen. Yeah. But I also think that's like we've been kind of programmed to think that a little bit. Mm, you think it's been like, uh, uh, what's the word? I think like exacerbated. You think it's been that since COVID and then all the events that That the world's ending? No, not necessarily that oh, the just that, some, just that feeling. Yeah, I think COVID definitely, because of how the way COVID happened, mm. for so many people it was like, this is it this is when the world's gonna end and so because it didn't because it did happen for a lot of people but it hasn't happened for those of us who are still living we're we're like when is the world gonna end when is it ending like Mm. it's not covid what's the next thing that could make everyone just like stop or yeah or like maybe not necessarily the world completely like like shut down how we live and now we're living in like sand dunes you know which I mean, I'm never <laughs> against being in a place of doom ever. I mean, so. I I try my best to not watch um, anything post-apocalyptic mm. because I don't want to like project that into my like psyche. I don't want to like like I watch it if it's you know if it's something I should watch, but I try to watch for things of a future that I want because then I can like. I don't know, like project it, manifest it in some way. Because okay. if I'm constantly watching like things that are dooming, then it's it's um you know it it just gets into your brain and you just start you know you're just it's it's now the moment is now mm. you know and it's just like I think apocalypse now yeah I don't know I just um you know it's just like there's just things I won't do anymore like 
zip line or like you know go to orlando and go on any ride yeah. go on any <laughs> ride at a fairground totally i'm staying knee high and very laying low yeah i uh I'm I'm bummed because I used to love roller coasters, but I just I can't trust the engineering anymore. You know, I, it's just kind of like you, there's other ways you can get that same frill. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many ways to get the the roller coaster frill, that adrenaline. There, it just it ain't in a roller coaster for me anymore. Mm. But uh, anyway, speaking of roller coasters, shall Ooh. we get into the episode? Let's do it. Hey guys. This is March, and you're listening to Hola Bichola. All right. So we start with a cold open. Yes. And the scene is, this is going to be really difficult for me to talk about, um, but it is basically Dr. Bus entering a lounge dinner area. Yeah, late 60s. It's the late 60s. This is a Mexican restaurant. Okay. And uh, really, it's uh, Dr. Buses who, in in this opening, we don't know who she is, but we can infer because it's a woman with a bunch of children. Yes. Entering the restaurant. Right. Who we learn is uh, his ex-wife. Okay, Jeannie's mom. Yes, correct. Her name is Joanne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, so uh, we see young Jeannie and I guess the brothers who I actually I didn't know there was other buses. Yeah. I didn't know she had siblings. Yeah. Um, And then so when when it first opened, I wasn't even paying that much attention because I was like still like mm. I was still Oscaring. Gotcha. But I got um the finger bang scene. Oh, okay. That was like I'll be. I, I was and that's like hard for me because I'm just like, oh, that was kind of intense. I didn't think they would show as much as they did. Yeah, and that's what it. That's the end. I was just yeah. like, you know, I guess I'm just so used to TV alluding to like mm. sex acts. I'm not used to seeing them so passive like that. Yeah, and, and it was just so like, and I was, and I'm not. It's, it's kind of graphic. I literally, I also thought to myself, okay enough with the sex doctor bus like i get it you're oh. a horn dog i mean do i need to see you finger bang who 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 was I mean, he, who was he going down on uh his one of his women and her name was ginger okay so it was it wasn't his mom oh her no, mom no, her mom no, no, excuse no, me was, her mom oh wait Jeannie's <laughs> my mom god uh no it was uh ginger the 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 redhead okay so and the carpet did match the drapes. <laughs> so then we have um Jeannie, poor Jeannie Bean, come in on watching her dad. Uh, literally, I, I don't know what you would call that grope in a but in I, a sense, I guess. But I guess it was like uh, asked for in a sense. Oh so yeah, I mean she and she Ginger initiated so the whole thing. That's what I mean. I, if yeah. I say groping, I would feel like that would imply that she didn't want it. Mm-hmm. But I guess he massaged her. I don't know. Moving on. So <laughs> then the next scene. Well, it's pretty important, I think. Okay. Because of how it uh, connects to the decisions Jeannie makes in the rest of the episode. But I'll get right, to that. that's true. That's true. So we we basically see in the scene how her what her dad how her where her dad's mind is and what his distraction is and also what excites him and what seems like for a long time now setting wise because that was 1968 when this scene took place okay you know this Uh, is we're in 79 we're in 79 so it hasn't changed in 11 years (laughs) yeah well probably even longer than that yeah good point so then the next scene is um we're at toupee's funeral Mm, that's right and i was like wow the slap heard around Ooh, the funeral. I know. What timing, huh? What? I mean, there's a couple of timing moments in this episode. Yeah. I thought. Andy McKay, the dude is a... They, they did this on purpose. They knew what they were doing. <laughs> um. So then the next scene, basically the slap was Toupe's wife slaps Dr. Buss as Dr. Buss is giving her his condolences for the loss of her husband. Mm. And she's basically blaming him for his death. Because apparently he was like pushing to get Jerry over, but 
There's no real indicator as to what the mafia has to do with Jerry Toupe and Dr. Bus. It just seemed like he died because Dr. Bus showed up with money. And I guess they needed monies. Um, yeah, it wasn't it very was, clear. I, I like tried to put pieces and infer, and obviously this is all conjecture, but it seemed like Jerry Tarkinian yeah. uh, maybe did something with mobster money. Mm-hmm. Being the coach in Vegas, mm-hmm. and probably like got a cut, and then Toupee was clearly a mobster. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but I would think it was interesting how when the Bus family, quote unquote, showed up to the funeral, mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Bus wanted to present himself as a family man, mm-hmm. and told Joanne he was going to present her. Joanne, his ex-wife was going to present her as his wife wife mm-hmm. to try and win over Jerry who was and she was like well I can really be your wife because <laughs> <laughs> right, right. obviously she still loves him um and while this is all happening Jerry Tarkinian is seeming very distraught by yeah, the loss definitely. of his friend which naturally and it seems like there's a little bit of fear in there too mm, I didn't get that but okay because I to me it seemed like he was worried that he was next if he took the job. So it was like, well, like uh, money's coming in, mm-hmm. so you need to pay up or something. Or like you need to continue doing your role in this money. Well, then that would make scheme. sense because then in the next scene, Jerry T is out. Yeah, he's out. Yeah, it and just so, cuts. <laughs> That's right. Interesting. Because I thought Jerry T was out from like a place of um, not wanting to deal Maybe a little bit, and maybe he was still mourning his friend, or maybe he connected. But you're probably right. He's probably more like scared that they're gonna yeah, come after him. The only reason I was thinking that was because yeah. uh, in the previous episode, they showed Jerry T mm-hmm. and his wife shopping around for a plot of land. Mm. You know, so it seemed like he was pretty ecstatic about that. At the time, an insane salary for a coach. Like he was making 70K at UNLV, and Jimmy, mm. Dr. Bus offered him 700K. Mm. So, you know, it's, it was an insane amount of money for a wow. coach. And, uh, yeah, that, that, wow. Yeah. I so, considered I think that plus the mob scene at the restaurant in the last episode as well, now leading to the funeral, it seems like Jerry T was. Yeah, I can't do this. I'd rather be alive than coach the Lakers. Okay. Is how I took it. And so the next scene is um, basically McKinney running. Yes. Uh, Jack. Jack McKinney. Jack McKinney. And then his wife shows up, Claire McKinney. Mm. And I just wrote, I love that actress. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she was great. She yeah. impacted the moment she was on screen. Yes, she definitely, like, I was listening when she mm, was talking. She was great, yeah. Um, and then the next scene after that, we have the naked Polaroids. Ah, the binder. Yes, the, the binder, binder full of, the, of women. The, I think, most important piece, uh, set piece in the whole episode. Yeah, because it's kind of like, it's a setup for what's Everything, to come. Really, of what's to come, yeah. It seems like it was the kickoff to also genie's kind of blossom yes into the organization yeah you can really see how in this scene she's kind of flipping through her dad's like you know playboy bunny polaroids and you can see what you can see that she's thinking how her dad is thinking and uh exactly exactly and then uh for her to because i think uh Dr. Bus was flipping through the Polaroids and he was supposed to have a game night with Jeannie. He was supposed to play Monopoly. Monopoly. Yes. That's right. Of course he's playing Monopoly. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And then he puts it down and she sees it. And mm-hmm. then if uh, you remember, she refers back to, she like recalls her winning some sort of beauty pageant in college. Yeah. Can you um walk everyone through that scene? Sure. So Dr. Bus, it cuts after uh, the funeral where Dr. Bus is uh, on the phone with one of the coaching staff. And he is being told that, oh, he's being told by the Sean Bean lookalike that uh, Jerry Tarkinian is out. 
doesn't want to coach anymore. So he's telling him, hey, we got a preseason camp or the season camp starts in two weeks. And they still had no coach because Jerry West had stepped down. So then he starts stressing and it looks like he uses that binder to relieve himself of stress. Uh, And these are all women uh, clearly that are okay with having a sugar daddy and, uh, you know, uh, partaking in all those activities. So Jeannie walks up, Dr. Bus cancels on Jeannie. Jeannie knows why, but he just says, I'll be back soon. Mm -hmm. And then in that moment, she starts reminiscing about, uh, when she won the beauty pageant in her college, which I guess they kept calling SC, but I wasn't sure which SC they were referring to, either Southern California or South Carolina. No, it's Southern California. But he has he always been in California, Dr. Buss? Uh, I think she has. Oh, okay. When their which parents separated. makes sense because there's something I'll touch on later, but it's important to remember the the name on her sash of the winning pageant. Well, you know what's funny? Her birthday is right after mine. Jeannie Bus? Mm-hmm. She's a Libra. She's a September 26th? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, the uh, actress. Yeah, that... she went to Southern California. She's Southern California. Okay, yeah. makes sense. All right. She's a California girl through and through. Yeah. So then um, this is when we get introduced to Jason Siegel. Right. For I the did first not time, know he was going to be in I it. didn't know he was going to be in there either. Yeah. He, and he gets a call and I'm like, who? He's, he's a professor at a college, I guess, a philosophy maybe professor. Okay. And uh, he was also an assistant. For McKinney. McKinney. That's right. He was an assistant to the assistant um, at the time. And it was a pretty cool scene, I think, because they introduced him as a scholar, which definitely sets the tone for his character the rest of the episode so what's his character's name uh paul i think whitehead or whitehurst okay um i didn't get that i was like who i didn't even know his name yeah it's uh paul something so then uh, once he's coming in paul westhead westhead yeah so then the next scene after jason is training camp route they're en route to the training camp. And I was like, why are we focused so much on this, like, on the route to, mm, like, training camp? Right. And it's so And I'm wondering cool. if, like, how, like, exciting they must feel to, like, go to camp. You know, they're going to Palm yeah, Springs. All the, buzz, all the butterflies and new rookies. You know, all the fast cars and yeah. and the one scene with, like, Cooper and his wife. And his wife, right. I think that that uh, scene, that uh, group of scenes was shot really well okay. <clears throat> because uh, it started with, you know, one pairing, which I think was um, McKinney and his wife mm-hmm. on the road to the training camp. Mm-hmm. Then the, like you said, Coop, uh, actually it was Norman Nixon who zooms past McKinney, mm-hmm. but McKinney doesn't know that obviously, Yeah, but they're on the same road. And then magic is also on that road. Yeah. <clears throat> and so is Cooper and his wife. Mm-hmm. And they're all heading to the same place, and I thought the way it was cut and shot was like really cool. Yeah, I was, I was, I, 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 I enjoyed that whole like ride to like, yeah, yeah. to camp. And then while that was happening, I asked myself, um, "Is someone going to get into a wreck?" Because it felt like <laughs> with how fast yeah. they were moving, the big like moment that like changed everything yeah, it was like about to come. Big was about to happen. It yeah, seemed like yeah. something big was going to happen, but yeah. nothing happened. No. Nope. Nope. No end of anything. Nope. So then finally, mm-hmm. finally, we get introduced. Not introduced. Kareem comes in. Oh, Kareem. And I thought what was really interesting about his scene in particular mm-hmm. was when Kareem gets introduced, he's looking out the window. <laughs> Stoically. And he's looking at these vultures doing top tier mm. acting, eating the dead. And I thought, why are we looking? Why is why are we watching him watch vultures? You know, why are we looking at him? What does this scene tell me about what's to come? There's a lot of that, and I I kept trying to find the English term for that, and I couldn't find it. What English term for what? For when like foreboding? Is that it? 
You mean foreshadowing? Foreshadowing? Is that what it is? Yeah. But what happens if it's after the fact? Foreshadowing doesn't apply there, right? No, foreshadowing, it's like what's to come. Right. So I think in that moment, it's foreshadowing. Yeah. But there's other times where... There's other times where the scene is like a metaphor to what's really happening to this person and it's after the fact and I can, I don't know what that's called in English language. I don't know. I'm, I kind of think it, kind of like when there's a voiceover happening. Like for so example, like, not to skip ahead, but there was a moment where uh Jerry West walks out of the gym. Mhm. After Jack McKinney says close practice. Mm -hmm. But this is after uh, he basically, well, actually, hold on, cut. I'll skip because this is more towards the end. Okay, so. But this was a very specific scene. Okay, so we'll we'll bring it up because I I have that scene written down to talk over. Okay. Um, So then after Kareem, we are in Palm Springs. We're in Palm Springs. In the beautiful desert, oasis in the desert. It's really what Palm Springs is. I've never been, but I know that it's like. Is that a real place? Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Wow, cool. A thousand percent real place. A lot of things happen in Palm Springs. (laughs) Um, It seems like it. (laughs) Jerry West comes in the scene, and I'm like, you again. I thought we were done with you. I Uh, like his character arc, if I'm being honest. I'm not crazy about Jerry West, but. I'll get to I'll, I'll I'll get to that for myself, <clears throat> but I just at the time I was like, I thought we were done with you. No, thank you. I thought this was over. Um, then I I wrote down Michael Cooper, but I didn't know why. Um, I think Any, anything strike up for you for Michael Cooper? Was that not? I think I wrote Michael <clears throat> Cooper because uh, we have uh oh my God magic and Cooper in their room and they're saying bye to their, oh, to, their right, to their women. Right. And this whole time, like, I don't know who Michael Cooper is. Okay. okay. And I'm like trying to understand what the emphasis on Michael Cooper. He's another, he's a fellow rookie. Okay. That's why him and magic are together. Okay. Um, and so, but I'm watching him cause he just seems like such a little pansy. <laughs> just so like, <laughs> You know, like two, like you know, his right. his wife is like fixing the car because they they breaks down and yeah, like to Palm all Springs. he did was play basketball, but like had had has had things taken care of so he could play basketball. Yeah, and I was like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that one bit, Cooper. <laughs> and then the next scene is we have Pat Riley. We have Pat Riley. We have Inspector Clouseau is back. <laughs> Hotter just, than ever. Oh, my God. I didn't know he he just kind of appeared. And he was yeah. like, oh, well, I'm a assistant uh, announcer slash travel <laughs> secretary. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Oh, that was so good when he said that. And then for he went like he, Pat Riley in that scene, experienced what I think is a super high and a super low simultaneously. Okay. Because. Magic and Cooper were like, hey, I recognize you. And they were like, yeah, yeah, you played in that title game. It's a college. Yes. Bath- yeah, so yeah, like yeah, yeah. You could see, oh, Pat Riley's like, I, I I'm remembered. Recogni- I'm recognized. I'm recognized. Mm-hmm. But then immediately Magic says, yeah, I remember when that guy dunked it on you. He boomed uh, it on you, tongue out and everything. He's like, it's my nightmare. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then it cuts to the a picture of the real Pat Riley being dunked on. Uh, oh, that was real a real event. picture. Yeah, that was a real okay. picture. Okay, wow. And, uh, yeah, and then he's like, <laughs> Adrian Brody does it so well. He plays a hurt person so well. <laughs> so, I I was like, oh, I am very attracted to him right now. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, it was just, a, it was an awesome scene, I think. He was like, yeah, well, I still see it in my nightmares, so. So the next thing after that is we're meeting the team. Meeting, yeah, the rest of the team. We're rookie and the vet versus the vets in like just a lounge space. Yeah, in the uh, film room. Where the projector is acting. (laughs) And we have constant motion access. Constant motion access. Yeah, it's a, I think that's what Kareem said. 
when McKinney was giving his like game plan. He was like, McKinney was like, I kind of want to do it. Like, you know, uh, I want to be unpredictable. I want to like. Right, I want a free flowing like water. Yeah, I want everybody to be able to like, you know, uh, make a game, not just on the defense. You're not doing the game because because you're waiting for the other team to create the pass. You need to create the game for yourself on the court. And and Kareem's initial like first response is oh so you want chaos right <laughs> he he was, says under his breath oh this is street ball he's like so you want street and ball. then McKinney's like yes this is street ball you're creating yourself and then he's like like March just said chaos <laughs> and I was like oh Kareem come on i know and i just thought okay so is mckinney a composer for bebop jazz because i mean i mean he is that is chaos yeah if you've ever heard bebop jazz you know that it is utter chaos and it but it's one thing actually that happened right before that in the same film room uh that i i think should be mentioned yes is uh kareem the first thing he ever says to Magic is, "I like my. I want a newspaper and mm-hmm. orange juice every mm-hmm. day at my door mm-hmm. at six a.m. Yes, and I want the new. I want news, politics, sports, all separated in the paper. Uh. He's like, I wanted every day Rook, and then he goes to his seat, and then like you know Norman Nixon, who's just." He's up to this point has just been a certified hater this whole time. Certi- certified. Uh, you know, tells, oh, Cooper actually tells him, yeah, that was my responsibility last season. Or not, oh, that's right. Cooper is not a rookie. This is his second year. Well, yeah, before, Magic before training rookie. camp, he was a rookie. But once they got into the meetings lounge, he no longer became a That's rookie. That's a good point. That's right. Okay. Because yeah. that would explain why they are together. Yeah, he kind makes of a lot more sense. Is, you know, not a rookie just by time. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. That's right. So then the next scene, we have more projector acting. That's right. With the CFO, whose name I is I finally got. And I didn't write it down. Not now, not now. I wrote it down later. Okay, so the next scene is we're um, watching more projector acting with the CFO this time. And they're trying to discuss, like, how they're going to make money, essentially. How are they going to make money in the stadium that they just bought that's, like, three under? And how are they going to bring people in? Mm -hmm. And so I wrote, uh, what's his name? Uh, what is this fucking oh God. name? We said it last episode. Was it like Leon? Leo? I I feel like that. I, I tried is. to write it down, but like I couldn't get it. But someone, uh, I guess they were talking about cheerleaders and getting a mascot. Lon. <laughs> so Lon like um suggests that they get a mascot. And then the CFO goes, dress someone as a lake. <laughs> and I thought, okay, that's yeah. funny. Dress someone as a lake, and then they were gonna do a slam duck, which was like uh, the that was gonna be the. I'm so happy that didn't come to fruition. The, the mascot, mascot the was gonna Lakers. be a duck. It's gonna be a duck. He was a like, duck. not a lake, but what sits on top of a lake? Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes down to put his stupid like beak on, and he bangs his head <laughs> on the table. <laughs> he goes, thum. and then he gets up and he's like yay she's like lose the duck and uh linda in the show but the actress is molly gordon who by the way molly kind of hot um molly gordon linda the character she goes yep no problem lose the duck um and up to this point linda and Jeannie have been clashing yes Yes, and I um, I think my favorite like part of this scene was when they were asking like, "What does Bus want?" And Jeannie mm. writes, Jeannie says he wants Disneyland at the Playboy Mansion mm-hmm. at the Oscars. At the Oscars, <laughs> right? She's like, and yeah, I was like, like the Oscars. <laughs> and uh, Linda, the character, she goes, "Well, I thought you said he wanted like." 
you know, a show and like the cheer squad. And I thought he loved that. And then Jeannie goes, yeah, in college. (laughs) And it's like, damn, she's so about her shit. I really like Jeannie so far. Yeah. Also, the actress, her name is uh, Haley Hadley Robinson. She's really, she's selling Jeannie so well. Um, And she's really young. How young is she? She was born in 95. Uh, the actress that should really change how much you like her <laughs> kind she's of too young for you she's four years younger than me you know she's kind of attractive i'll be honest i once um i i, I had a thing where I, I wouldn't date a person even if they were like one day younger than me really yeah yeah I'm, you have to be older but i guess i'm a female so ugh. Excuse me, not female. I am a lady. <laughs> I just when anyone I hear anyone be like, "Man, those females, those uh, bitches." I'm just like, "You've lost I'm it like, from yeah, me." Yeah, I'm like, "Bro, stop talking." Um. So then, uh, the next scene is we're back in Palm Springs, and uh, Magic is dropping the juice off. To which Kareen just goes, "Ni." Yeah, he just he uh, he assesses it. He looks at it. He doesn't even taste it. Doesn't he's even just, taste it. He's like, this ain't the right color. Yeah. Then he takes the paper and then closes the door. I, I love that because I, when you know, you just know how you like your juice. <laughs> I don't have to taste it. I know this ain't right. I just wonder the whole time. I would just wonder the whole time if he even cared how the juice tasted. It seemed like he did, but I wonder. Yeah. Um, no, he doesn't care how the juice tastes. I think it's just like a establishing, you know, dominance. Pa- dominance. The next scene is we're in the gym. Training camp starts. That's right. And JW. JW. Okay. So we're, we're in the, we're, so we're finally about to watch like, a, like the players play each other. Right. This is the first time Brilliant. we, they actually do like contact. Exactly. They actually play basketball, organize basketball. And um, we watch these two. We watch this happen. And McKinney, Jack McKinney, is telling Jerry West that this is a close practice. That's right. And Jerry West doesn't understand that it means not him. <laughs> not him, right. And He's... I wrote, Jerry West, he said closed practice. <laughs> you need to get. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I really am enjoying Jack McKinney's character. Yeah. He, he he doesn't seem like someone who belongs in L.A. at this time. For sure. I mean, I'm su- like, just as of right now, I'm surprised he didn't become the coach. Knowing what we know. Again, I'm not spoiling anything. Moving really? on. So, um... One of my favorite parts about this scene in particular mm-hmm. was the animation cut. Oh, yeah, that was cool. Because at the Oscars earlier, um, we watched one of the people win for Flea, I think, or something like that for mm-hmm. an animation and for the Oscars. And yep. he was saying how like animation is, is just they all they always say this is just the beginning for animation. This yeah. is just the beginning. And <laughs> I thought is the beginning then. You know, yeah, I was like, okay, we're beginning for animation. <laughs> and so seeing it in this scene, I thought, hmm, I guess this is a good time for animation. Yeah, it was pretty fitting. It's beginning now. And it seemed like old school animation. Yeah. Which so the theme was, was consistent. Reminded me of my um Animal Crossing character. Ah. Does it have your name or a name? The Animal Crossing character is my my name. It's oh, March. Okay. Oh, you use March. Okay. And my island is Jesuit Island. <laughs> so for those of you who are on Animal Crossings, I guess hit me up. I don't, I'm still learning. I don't know what it means to be hit up. I don't even know how to find my friend code at this time. But just know Send that it's your there. Send code, guys. Send it to her. Send it to me and we'll, we'll be friends and you can come over to Jesuit Island. <laughs> Have no fear. Um... Then, um, as this is happening, it's basically uh, Magic doing a voiceover, a narration for the scene, basically saying how there's enough magic for everyone. He right. kind of wants to play with everyone. He's He doesn't seem like a ball hogger at this time. 
No. And I, mean, I don't think he is a ball hogger, no, right? He that is definitely true to his play style and his basketball legacy is he was a pass first player. Yes. Like I think the way Which those are my favorite my favorite kinds of players. Yeah, cuz I mean it it it's it's so fitting. His play style is to me a direct reflection of his character. Mm-hmm. Direct, even in in real life and in the show because uh he said it well, it was obviously this is in the show, but he said, uh, I want to share the love with everyone. I have so much love. I want to give it to everyone. I don't need to shine. If we all shine, we all shine. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's the reason ultimately they were so successful. Mm-hmm. Sharing the rock, really. It's what basketball yeah. is. So it seemed like he was an early adopter of McKinney's groundbreaking play style. So then the next scene I have is uh I have, we, we, we have batteries by the way. Okay, but you know. I know, I know time and all that. I got it, I got it. Um so the next scene is we have uh in the next scene we learn that basically Dr. Bus is broke and yep. he moves all of his broke stuff to his wife, Joanne. Yeah, who happily of- takes it. Yeah, at the su- the suggestion was made by Doctor Buss's mom, right? Sally Fields' character. And as this ha- as this is happening, there's jump cuts to Jeannie in the lunchroom with all the other kind of all with Lon and the other Lon girl. Lon and Linda, yep. And they're just like, you know, they're trying to read Jenny to try to see if she's like an intern or if she's the daughter of the right. player. They're in some of the Doctor Bus room at the forum and they're so, smoking weed. Yeah, so the so that's happening, right? And then we so while they're having that conversation, we basically jump back to like the pinstripe tent where Doctor Bus needs his brown pants because he is absolutely broke. Because <laughs> yeah. he's talking to the CFO, basically like, "Where's the money? Where's the money?" And she's yeah. like, "We have no money." And he's like, "Theoretically, how could how much profit do you see us making in a year?" And he keeps throwing a number, and the CFO's like. You need to go down. You need to lower the number. And then he goes, um, I'm going to go jump in the pool. And I <laughs> thought, he's about to go change his pants. Yeah. Uh, um, and then the scene after that, we have, um, we have, okay, I called this the McKinney Wall Play, A Beautiful Mind meets Dua Lipa. Because <laughs> he's levitating. Right, which was... Mwah, because of the conversation he had with Jerry West earlier, because Jerry West was like, you know, don't you feel it? There's these monks, there's these Buddhist monks that when they're uh, meditating, they levitate literally off the ground. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's how I feel about basketball. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the scene March is referring to now. And then the um, scene after that is. There's a gym practice scene, yep. and they're all just kind of like Team A, Team B. They're switching sides. Starters and what it seems like starters and bench. Yeah, and then we have them seeing how they're kind of playing together, and they're having trouble playing together because they're all the, – the vets are just kind of ball hogging, quite yeah, frankly. They're, 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 they're all just trying to get to their – they're trying to get theirs. Yeah, they're yeah. they're trying to get as many like points and fields and mm, all that they, stuff. They need the ball. They want to put the ball in the hoop. There's a specific play style that needs to be played. And McKinney's like, "Yo, no." And then there's like the specific locker room moment uh, that is very seventies. <laughs> yeah, that I really truly is. do not understand. Yeah, I was. It just the the. It can't you have serious conversations without. Like, can you have serious conversations in the nude? Right. I mean, there's there. I'd say there may almost be a case to be made that that's the most serious conversation you can have. You can't hide behind your clothes. I mean, I guess you can put yourself out there and say, like, this is me. Yeah, literally. This is me. This is. Oh, and I'm me. worried about this. The, what the direction this McKinney coach is going to take us in. Mm-hmm. So basically they're all like after the, after the practice and they're all talking. And one of them, um, one of the, one of the team players, one of the players is not happy with McKinney, how he's moving, you know, how he's changing 
players he from is angry. He really hates the yeah. the the direction, the new direction of the Lakers. He hates magic. And you know, honestly, you can really tell people who will evolve in any situation when they're the ones that have trouble with the change. Mm-hmm. Anytime you find yourself having trouble with change, mm-hmm. you really have to ask yourself do you want to live in the future or do you want to remain in the past? Mm. And it's very clear that this person in full seventies, free loving nude. Oh yeah. Having a full conversation. Lamb chops and all Afro and lamb chops. It it just, I just thought, "Mm, I am very distracted. (laughs) Um, Then we have another scene where basically Irving is talking to cookie on a public phone. That's and right. he basically reveals himself because his ego cannot be tugged at yeah, he, one bit. He can't contain it anymore. Well, because he's kind of realizing they're basically just talking. He's talking about practice and he's saying that, you know, he's everybody loves him and he doesn't understand why his teammates don't love him. Right. And Cookie's kind of like, well, not everybody loves you. You kind of suck at certain things and you, you know, you think you kind of suck the energy out of the room sometimes. Right. And he's like, what are you talking about? You're just some bitch I fucked. And then that was that scene. So. Damn. So, you know, let's a moment of silence for the ending of their relationship. (sighs) So then we have Jerry West comes in and he, uh, Jerry West is in his room. That's right. And the boys come in. Yeah, to players. talk to him because they they just aren't happy with McKinney and it, yeah. one practice, one practice, and they're already ready to like cut McKinney off. Yeah. Um. So then, the next scene we have Mama Bus and Jeannie finally playing Monopoly. Poor girl finally gets her Monopoly game. Yeah. That's all she's ever wanted. Um. And then, uh, I'm starting in this scene. I'm realizing like. They're related. Oh, right. Right. The connection is not really there because the last time they were on screen together, she just missed Jeannie. Yeah. She she was very cold and very like. Like, oh, you know, you don't know about this yet. Yeah. Yeah. Or or just much like, can can you go fetch me the sugar? Like you. (laughs) Right, right, right. You who is standing here. (laughs) Right. Please fetch. And so in this moment, I thought, oh, they're they're actually related. They, mm. they she cares about her. Yeah, and you totally saw um, Sally Field's character's uh, affection towards Jeannie. Yeah. Once Jeannie processed the truth about the situation in the way what seems like she would have. Yeah. She's like, hell yeah, yeah that's she, my granddaughter. Yeah, I really loved that scene between them because I could tell like they have a good relationship, mm-hmm. and maybe I just came in on a. On a moment where it seemed like no, 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 I'm with you up until this moment. Yeah, yeah, it didn't seem like it. Okay, it seemed like she was like, all right, whatever, Jeannie, (laughs) I'm with you. This moment was totally a 180. And like throughout the um, uh, well, okay, I'll say this. So the next scene is basically um, Magic and Doctor Buff are like sitting and talking. Mm. And in the pool. In the pool. Yep. And before Nighttime. this scene, Magic has kind of been sprinkling to everybody on the team that him and Dr. Buzz are best friends, right. that he could really put in one for, put you know, put in a good one for everybody because mm-hmm. he's like the highest paid person. He's yeah. coming in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought this scene was actually, was really nice, Dr. Buzz and Magic. And I, I was like, oh, you know, they really are like usually, coming in to change things. Yeah. And it's, you know, change isn't easy. And it feels like, they every time they're on screen together it's really well yeah really well they have good chemistry they have good chemistry yeah so then the scene after this we have jerry west and mckinney they're basically talking about you know um mckinney needs to cut players and jerry west is like the 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 students aren't the students. The <laughs> players aren't happy with you. Right. They're not happy with what you're doing. What kind of changes are you making? I'm gonna bring in everybody to come and watch your practice. McKinney's like, you know, you kind of have to like back off. And McKinney and and this is where I started to like 
find myself very attracted to Wes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, well, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I really enjoyed Wes in this scene. Who would have thought four episodes in, I am now attracted to Wes. (laughs) But he's kind of like, you know, these are humans. You can't just like, you can't come in and with some technical thing and expect them to not have human responses and reactions they've been playing one style their whole lives right you're you have you know two weeks this way to like humanize his formula i thought was so heartwarming and i it really tugged at me and i thought you know maybe maybe you're not so bad after all i I think (laughs) that's what i'm i think so too and it seemed like Every, there was a lot of bits and pieces of J- that version of Jerry that would flash throughout yeah. the four episodes. At this point, he seemed very concerned about the players. Right. And as when he was a head coach, he didn't seem that concerned. They didn't. That's why I thought the dynamic in the part where the players went in to talk to Jerry mm-hmm. was a little strange because earlier in the episodes, mm-hmm. they had no respect for Jerry as a coach. Right. So I was like, oh. Something be about their relationship is deeper than player coach, and yes. then I think this scene, yeah, brought that it to really fruition. like yeah solidified his role. Yeah, totally. and then he he did like he just it was just head coaching just wasn't the place for him. He yeah. needed to like direct his energy and like abilities elsewhere. And I you could see it here him like um mediating between the two like mm-hmm. between the players and, and the, the coach it just felt like oh you oh, this is your uh, place that it all just hit me yeah because of re- it, the things jerry west's role was his, what his role was to the lakers organization in real life yeah his executive career yeah yeah it's the, it, we're seeing the beginning of it and it's awesome yeah. actually now that yeah. i think about it 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 um it just you know makes them they just think about like shaquille and mm. kobe and oh, of you know all those R. things R. he was able to boy. like you know, come and bring together. Um, then the next thing, uh, the next scene after that mm-hmm. is basically McKinney running. Yes. And I wrote, he's running like a squid out of the ocean. <laughs> he is exactly what he was. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he running uh, like flapping like that? Like, I, isn't it what, what did uh, Jason Siegel's character call him? McKinney Miles. McKinney, yeah, because he's a runner. Because he's a runner. But he runs. But he. M- ugly. But. <laughs> wow. And Jason Siegel's in a golf cart. <laughs> of course, he's not running. Um, and so then I wrote McKinney's talking about like, he calls his wife cause he's basically, he went running and then he ran to a phone booth. That's right. A phone booth is a random phone in the middle of the street in that the desert. in the desert or a- anywhere in the city, but it's like a, ro- a phone that anyone can use. That's right. So, um, so then McKinney's on the phone talking to his wife and he's like, they don't see my dream. Well, I close my eyes and I see it, but when I open it, no one sees it. Right. And I wrote, that's why it's a dream. <laughs> that's exactly the concept of a dream. That's what a dream is. So, you know, I would say these next two scenes that I'm going to bring up are like my favorite scenes. I think they really cool. um, solidified and like brought together full circle the episode in okay. a way that I hadn't seen in the other episodes. I really thought this episode really came full circle in a, such a nice way. Okay. Um, so basically it's the open practice mm. and it's the eight team. Yeah. The Sean Bean lookalike and Dr. And Bus and Jerry West are all there. That's what she means by open practice. Yes. But the team that's going to play for them is basically Nixon, Magic, yep. Kareem, yep. Cooper. Yep. And I don't know who the fifth man Fill is. Fill in the blank. Yeah. So far. A filler. Yeah. Uh, and they're basically like they are. Hooping. They're in a place of woo. They are hooping. They are balling. <laughs> Magic is diamond, and Nixon is like, you know what? Okay, I can fuck with you, Magic. Yeah, he's like, I'm still getting my shots, and but mm-hmm. Magic's like just past alley ooping, yeah. and you know, uh, he's feeding everyone. He's like, hey, you guys shine, you guys shine, woo! and <laughs> and then Cooper, who in so you know as well everyone uh is definitely accurate he is a defensive presence he's mm-hmm. a rebounder he's 
He's that guy, high tempo. I was like, mm, now this is basketball. Yeah, yeah. This is basketball. They were cooking that beat. Oh, they it felt so good. I felt as good as they did, and yeah, I wasn't even playing. I know. It was so awesome. Uh, and at the end of that scene, um, basically, they're like, you know, everyone's like high-fiving, and yeah. uh, the boys are going to the locker room, and Jerry West comes up to McKinney. And he comes up and he he says to McKinney, "Let me have that list. I'll see. I'll see too that it, I'll yeah, see that, that it gets, gets done." done yeah. And I wrote, "Is Jerry West acting?" <laughs> oh. One thing before the the Jerry West and McKinney talk is um, the typical stereotypical angry seventies black man player. Uh, Remember, he bumps oh, into magic. Yes, yes, and they yes. fight. They actually fight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Magic uh, is tired of the bullying, basically. Yeah. Because it's the same guy who had the problem, who, like, Mm -hmm. doesn't want to change, can't deal a change. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Magic is like, he basically turned into Zastros. Let's just call it. Yeah. Yeah. He's totally (laughs) (laughs) Zastro. And so then the, the episode closes with the CFO, Mrs. Rothman. Finally. All right. Real quick, though. Remember this, the thing I wanted to talk about, touch on with Jerry West and the. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. It's this scene. Yeah. And then, uh, like March was saying, uh, Jerry West tells McKinney, he's like, let me see that list. I'll see that it gets done. And McKinney doesn't say a word. He hands it to him. And then he goes, hey, Jerry, close practice. And then Jerry smirks. Mm-hmm. And then when he walks out of the gym, he looks left and it's a really bright sun. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was like uh, referring to the light that Jerry is finally seeing mm-hmm. as the light at the end of the tunnel in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm seeing this new possibility mm-hmm. that I can still be involved with the Lakers and with basketball. Okay. And I'm having a positive impact. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a reflecting a reflection of what seems like is going to be the new Jerry West. Yeah. So I, I don't know what that is in English. That's what I'm talking about earlier. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to look it up. Yeah, I, I, was I, I, I would just look at it. I I I I only saw saw it as like what's to come, you know, not necessarily right. foreshadowing, but foretelling. You know, as a way of like, it's telling what his impact will be. It could be foretelling mm. of like, um, foretelling. the you know, I, I kind of I kind of see it as like more of a foretell than like okay. a foreshadow because usually foreshadowing is like right doom, Which but foretelling is, is like possible, perhaps. But I don't know. I I mean, I'm sure there is a word. I I don't know it, but <laughs> I yeah, just I, I I just I I would say I saw it mostly. Um, as you know, kind of like a good omen. Maybe of a good things to yeah. come. Perhaps. Okay. Maybe yeah. You that's think that's of it probably that. the best way. A good omen. Yeah. You know. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's just a reflection of what Jerry of him, was feeling. If almost him coming to light. Like, yeah. Maybe Jerry West is finally um having clarity. Yeah. He's seeing the sun. And know? I think they just do that so well in this show. Yeah. Whatever this. Adam is McKay's really good at doing that too. Yeah. Um. So uh, we move into the final scene, which is with the CFO, mm-hmm. whose name is Miss Rothman. Miss Rothman. Miss Rothman. Who, Finally. She should let her hair down, man. That's a pretty woman. Now she's gorgeous. Yeah, I love it when she lips her hair down. And then I wrote, I wrote Grotto LA Dancers Showtime. Uh, ah. I literally, st- at the, when, so <laughs> what March is referring to is Jeannie. Uh, Linda, Lon, and Miss Rothman present what the new plan is for the forum to mm-hmm. Dr. Buss inside of the stadium. They're, yeah. they're at half court. Yeah. And Dr. Buss is sitting on a chair and they're like giving him the spiel. And then they finally ask him, Jeannie goes, What do you think? And then he pauses. Oh, John C. Riley. He pauses. Yeah. And then he goes, Showtime. It's showtime. Uh. I literally stood up and started clapping. Oh my god! At the end of the episode, I was like, "God damn, this was awesome!" And that's I just love that full circle moment mm. of like you're starting with like his binder full of women. Binders, binders full of uh, women. 
to ending it with being like, yeah. And, but then also seeing basketball today being that. Totally. That's and, the best part. And what I failed to check. Oh, I knew I forgot to check something. I'm sorry, guys. I failed you. That Miss Roth or yeah, Miss Rothman says we're gonna create a new, a whole new type of seat, mm-hmm. which is called floor seats. Mm. And I'm wondering, did they really create what is like super prominent in the NBA now, and a total, total reason? that its popularity skyrocketed, mm-hmm. which is putting celebrities on the basketball floor. Yeah. I wonder if, wow, did they really create uh, that idea? I'm almost certain we will, we, we will see that in some light. Yeah. I'll have in more the answers 80s. next episode. I'll, I'll look it up. I'll figure it out. But that was like really interesting to me. And yeah, I'm loving Jeannie Buss's character, the actress too. I think there was just to kind of talk about random things, sort of, I think there was a, a moment where Linda Lon where they're smoking the weed in the random room and then Linda's kind of like they're trying to shit on Jeannie for being a rich girl's rich guy's daughter and yeah yeah and she's like shows them no I'm about my shit and then Linda's like okay cool yeah because in that moment she was really like kind of she was coming to her own yeah totally deciding like whether or not she was going to be you know have her opinion just be the daughter of the owner Right. Or her have her opinion be something that's worthy. Yeah. And she's like, I don't of wanna, her own. I want to be needed. No one needed my mom. I want people to need me. Yeah. I felt really attacked in that moment. So <laughs> I completely skipped over it. I was like, you know what, Jeannie? You are allowed to those things, but I will not. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand it. I won't respond to it. <laughs> Overall, great episode, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited for me what too. else is to come. Uh, like, what else are they gonna do? Like what are what else are we gonna see? I can't wait. Uh, but thank you so much, guys, for tuning in with us. Thank you, guys. And uh, this has been episode four. We'll see you guys for episode five. And uh, I guess until next time. Bye.